Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. The blood covenant, the blood covenant. All right, Uh, as Christians, we know about the blood. We may even sing about the blood. We may mention it during communion service, but typically it's just a cursory glance for most Christians thinking about, talking about, understanding even about the blood of Jesus Christ and the fact that you and I are in a blood covenant with Christ. It is an agreement that is made between two individuals in a relationship sealed with blood. In your case and mine, our relationship with Christ is sealed with the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on Calvary. Well, let's uh, talk about this today, and I hope that that the understanding and the benefits of the blood of Christ would resound more in your heart, in your mind, as a result of this. Years ago, there was a denomination that, when I was growing up, I heard that they wanted to take out any reference to the blood in their songbook or hymnal, or uh, they didn't want to see the word blood anymore. Now, I, I thought to myself, you know, you immediately you think, those bad people, all right? But uh, it's not really bad people. It's the devil that wants to take the blood out of the songs, all right? It's the devil that does not want you and I to think about the benefits of or the power of the blood of Christ. So it was the enemy influencing these dear people to try to take the blood out. It was offensive to them. And I'm not even sure those making that decision were born again, probably not. Since that time, that denomination has somewhat split to a far radical side and then to a conservative side. But that's always a tragedy when that kind of thing happens. And yet, in that particular case, it was good as far as some coming out and not being a part of it. The blood is always going to be vital in church. In this church, we're going to sing about the blood. We're going to think, think about the blood. We're going to uh, acknowledge the blood of Christ. Well, Exodus chapter 24, verse 8, the Bible says, And Moses took the blood, the blood of the animals that had been slain. Moses took the blood. He sprinkled it on the people and said, this is the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you according to all these words. Now, we know that all of the things in the Old Testament are a shadow of the things to come in Christ. So, everything in the Old Testament in some way or fashion is looking toward Christ's coming and fulfilling the law and the age of grace and the covenant of the blood of Christ 
not of animals anymore, is to come. Well, uh, let me tell you about John Wesley. John Wesley, many of you know that name, but he was a man, a theologian, an evangelist, had a great impact on Christianity. He lived during the 1700s. One night after a service, he was headed home. He only had a little bit of money on him and some evangelistic literature, and he was accosted by a thief. And so he handed over the little bit of money that he had, and the thief went on his way. But Wesley turned around and yelled at the thief and said, Stop, I have something else to give to you. And he said, You may not live or you may live to regret this type of life that you are presently living. If you ever do, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all your sins. Now, I thought to myself when I read that, that is not the typical thing that I might even say or you might say to someone that we are witnessing to. We may say, hey, I want to let you know God loves you, you thief. All right, so whatever. But he says, I want you to know the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. A powerful statement. A statement of understanding that this man eventually came to understand because years later, now as a successful businessman, he finds himself at a meeting where Wesley is speaking. And after the service, this successful businessman makes his way to Wesley to tell him, I was the thief. And he said, as a result of coming to Christ and having my sins washed away, I owe everything to you. And Wesley stopped him and said, no, not to me but the precious blood that cleanses all sin. That's what you owe it to, is the precious blood that cleanses from all sin. Well, let's talk about the benefits, because number one, the first benefit we want to give you is there is power in the blood. There is power in the blood. And though we may not think about it, uh, normally when we realize scripturally the power in the blood, we stand amazed uh, as we look and realize how powerful the blood of Jesus Christ is. Years ago, um, growing up, we at least in our church used to sing a lot of times on Sunday night. We loved it on Sunday night. We had sing power in the blood. Uh, how many of you sang that song growing up? All right, all right, we got a few of you out there. And Pastor John has agreed to come and so graciously uh, sing that song just to give us a taste, the power in the blood. Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working 
power in the precious blood of the Lamb. And would you be whiter, yes, brighter than snow? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Sin stains are lost in its life-giving flow. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Amen. There's power in the blood. Praise God. Thank you, Pastor John. I almost want to just turn him loose on the whole song, all right? Get the orchestra out here, all right? But, uh, wow, when I get to heaven, I'm going to sing like that. Um, I've struggled enough down here, all right? So, anyway, there's power in the blood. Number one, benefit. Number two, we're going to talk about the second benefit, the cleansing of sins, There is the cleansing of sin. That is the benefit of the blood, of course. And we think of Christ dying on the cross, but he didn't go to the cross just to die. There was a reason he he, uh, hung there. It is because of the shedding of the blood, the spilling of the blood from his head, from his hands or ribs, from his feet, from his side, blood flowed. And as a result of that, you and I, thank God, have redemption from our sins. So there is cleansing by the blood. Thank God. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, it says, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Praise God. Years ago, growing up, things were different. Um, When uh, I remember growing up as a teenager, you would go in the grocery store and you would not have a hundred different kinds of cereal. You would have uh, frosted flakes, corn flakes, sugar smacks, those were good. And uh, you know, all that sugary, sugary, sugary cereal that I hope you don't feed your kids because that's what drives teachers crazy, all right? So anyway, all the different kinds of things today we didn't have back then. It was more of a few items. And uh, even in the cleansing section or the, uh, the different cleansing products, you would walk in and you wouldn't have the same as you have today. There would be good old Comet. How many of you use Comet growing up? Nobody? Me only? All right. So anyway, all right, Ajax. All right. Okay. I'll take off of Comet, but Comet was better. All right. So anyway, I used Comet. It cleaned everything or certainly seemed like it did. But today when you walk in, you got all these different kind of cleaners. You got this cleaner for this spot, this cleaner for this spot this cleaner for this, or this stain. You take this stain out with this cleaner, and then you got the, uh, then you've got the, uh, all the, the new cleaners, the health cleaners, the, the products that 
uh, are natural. And uh, I mean, those get a little pricey as well as we know. But uh, there is no cleaner in the grocery store, in Walmart or anywhere else that can clean the sins from a man's soul or a woman's soul. There is no cleaner. But one drop of blood is all it takes, uh, not even that, to cleanse us, cleanse us from every sin in our lives. It's the cleansing work of the blood of Jesus Christ. Wow, incredible. Well, there is no sin no matter how terrible, even the one we heard about last week uh, of murdering uh, our speaker's daughter, uh, no doubt that impacted people. When Mark Rutland was here, I was here with him on the Saturday night, and uh, I leaned over and I said, next week we, um, we have a lady coming, and um, this young man killed her husband, and she's taking him in to her family. And he leaned over to me and says, uh, I'm not even a Christian. And so uh, saying that basically was saying he was so shocked uh, at the grace on her life and the ability to allow God to flow through her to forgive and not only forgive, but to embrace. Did I mention it's only 35 days till Father's Day? All right, so anyway, uh, the cleansing of sins. Thank God. For if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now listen, you and I as believers, we are to be in fellowship. We're not to be out of fellowship with one another. Uh, we are to be in fellowship with one another. And if you have allowed or someone has allowed some sin to separate you in fellowship, uh, as a believer, that is, uh, then you need to deal with that sin. You say, Pastor, they were mostly in the wrong. Who cares who's mostly in the wrong? All right? Reconciliation and cleansing of sin is the most important thing, not who was mostly at wrong. Um, I challenge you to not allow anything to stop you from being in right relationship with brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. All right. So it says, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Number three, there is redemption through the blood. Redemption, that's a beautiful word, isn't it? Redemption, the action of being saved, uh, the clearing of a debt, uh, redemption. Ephesians, let me give you several scriptures. Ephesians 1, 7 says, in him we have redemption. Through what? His blood. Through his blood. Through his blood. Say it with me. Through his blood we have redemption. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. 1 Peter 1, 18, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but, but with the precious blood, 
Say it with me. Precious blood. It's not just blood. It is precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Hebrews 9, and according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood and without shedding of blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no what? There is no remission. Without the shedding of blood on Calvary, there would be no redemption. There would be no remission of our sins. Remission, the cancellation of the debt of the sin in our life. Number four, justification. The word redemption is a beautiful word. The word justification, I love this word too. Justification. Uh, I like to put it this way, just as though you never sin. Just as though you never sin. So when you ask forgiveness, it's just as though you never sin that sin. Now, for a chance this afternoon, you are in a hurry, and you are speeding, and you look up, and lights are behind you. And at that moment, I know what you will do as a typical born-again believer that attends faith assembly. I know that you will begin to call on God and ask him. Ask him, first of all, for mercy. Ask him that that person is a Christian and you know them. Ask him that he will forgive you of that speeding. And when he forgives you, you can declare, God, I'm justified. It's just as though I did not speed. The cop comes up and you say, sir, I've got good news. I've just asked God's forgiveness. And God has justified me. It's just as though I did not speed. Well, the cop may say, God may have justified you, but I have not. Now, wouldn't it be wonderful if he did, though, and said, now go and sin no more? <laughs> yes. Some of you have gone and sinned some more. All right, so anyway. <laughs> Justification, just as though you never sinned. I love that word. And here's another great word. Number five, sanctification. When you are cleansed by the blood, you are set apart. You're set apart. We, as believers, we're sanctified. We are growing in sanctification. We're set apart from sin and the world of iniquity, and we are set unto Christ. Yes, sanctification set apart from sin and unto God. Peace, number six, is another benefit of the blood. Peace, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20, it says, now the, may the God of peace, now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, you and I have peace. We have peace with God. See, the enemy doesn't want us to have peace. He doesn't want us to be sanctified. He does not want us to be redeemed or justified. And the enemy, that's why he hates the blood, because he knows the power and the benefit of the blood. And so he tries to get us to uh, eliminate from our thoughts and our practice 
the blood of Jesus Christ and what it provides for our lives. So God provides peace. In other words, we can't have peace with God when we are in sin. So we ask forgiveness, we receive forgiveness, uh, and we have peace with God. Now, number seven, I really like this one as I like them all, but number seven, access to the throne. Through the blood of Christ, we have, all of those of you online, you have access to the throne. Now, this doesn't mean as much to the average Christian, but let me try to emphasize it somewhat for you. In the uh, New Testament, in the Old, there was the tabernacle and then the temple, but let's start with the tabernacle because in that tabernacle, there was a special place. It was called the Holy of Holies, all right? So you could not go into the Holy of Holies because in the Holy of Holies was the uh, presence of Almighty God or the God would come down into the Holy of Holies. So as a result of God being there and he's a holy God and the people were not holy, they were sinful, only the high priest was allowed and only once a year could the high priest go into the Holy of Holies, but he would have to bring blood from animals, not only for his own sin, but for the sins of the people. And this was only temporary because next year he would have to do it again. And they would walk into the Holy of Holies. But the average person was not allowed to go into the Holy of Holies or go into the presence of God. They were not allowed. And so we, we have a hard time identifying. The people would look on uh, the tabernacle and they would know what was happening but they couldn't go in there. The curiosity may have been there. The desire may have been there, but they could not go into the Holy of Holies. And there were times in Jewish history that there were those that went in and, and offered profane fire and literally fell dead because they sinned in the very presence of God and fell dead in the Holy of Holies. I don't know if it was after then or, or before, but they then started tying, tradition says, ropes around their feet so that if they went in there and sinned, they could drag them out. Because after all, who was going to go in there and get them, all right? So they would just drag them out from under the curtain. But people, the average person could not go into the presence of God. But you and I, let me read it to you. In Hebrews 10, it says, Therefore, brethren... We believe Paul wrote Hebrews. Uh, we think he did. Therefore, brethren, having boldness, not with timid hesitation like the high priest, not with great reserve, but having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, you and I, those online, you and I get to enjoy the manifest presence of an almighty, holy God. Why? Because of the blood. They couldn't do that. They couldn't enjoy that. But when Paul writes these words, he's like, 
do you understand? People for centuries have wanted to experience what we experience, and we can do so with boldness. We can enter the holiest by the blood of Christ. Well, then there is protection. We'll just allude to it, but the last plague of Egypt was the plague of the death of the unborn, firstborn child, a male child. And God told Moses to tell the people to offer up a lamb and put the blood in a pail and take hyssop and strike the doorposts. Now, visualize, of course, what that is. That's a symbol of the cross. Top of the doorpost, the head of uh, the cross, the sides, his arms extended. And so it's a symbol of the cross to come, the sin of the Lamb of God. And as a result, when the death angel came, he saw the blood and he passed over protection. Maybe there were some of the Jews that did not do what they were supposed to do, and their firstborn son died. Maybe even a few Egyptians got word about what the Jews were, were doing, and maybe there were even a couple of those. But when the death angel saw the blood, he passed over. There was protection, except for those that did not have the blood applied. Boy, there's a lesson there. The enemy, the en there's a reason the devil is called the enemy. He is our enemy. He comes against us, and he sees are we covered by the blood? Are we washed in the blood? Or are there gaps in our life? One time, Christ said to his disciples, the devil comes, and he will find nothing in me. In other words, there's nothing in my life that he can take hold of. And so we guard our own lives to make sure there's nothing in our lives that the enemy can get a hold of. But the enemy comes and, oh, no, oh, no. We're not, see, the truth is we're not afraid of the enemy. The devil's afraid of the blood on us, all right? And the fact that we're covered and have the blood and the Spirit of God in our lives. Oh, yes, protection. And then power, power, power to overcome, power to overcome the enemy. Let me read you a verse in Revelation 12. Sorry, guys, I'm jumping ahead. Revelation 12, 11. And they overcame him, the devil. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the blood of the lamb. When the enemy comes against us to accuse us, we're like, oh, no, no, we're, uh, my life is covered in the blood. I, I'm forgiven. Uh, thank God for the blood of the lamb. By the word of their testimony also, our testimony is we're a child of God. And he can accuse us of sins of long ago or sins of recent days. It does not matter. All of it is under the blood. When we have confessed and acknowledged to bring the blood to bear upon any sin in our life. Now, there is power in the blood. Years ago, when I first came to this church, um, I walked in on a Sunday there was a young man, he was about 20, he was sitting on the very back row, 
Um, and I can still remember exactly. It's a real small church. I only seat about 80 people. And I walked by him, and he turned and looked at me like, I'm like, whoa. Uh, I hope he's not in my youth group. But uh, anyway, and so uh, I walked on by, but a few days later, we were in a service, and I don't know if somebody brought him or he walked to the front, but he walked to the front, and uh, I was standing there on the plat little tiny platform, and a group of men just surrounded him and began to bind the devil, plead the blood, cast out demons, uh, and all of a sudden, that young man slumped to the floor, delivered, set free by the power of God, washed from every sin stain. He literally was possessed. He had been so into drugs. His life had gotten so messed up, he had become possessed. He was living in a crack house, drug house, not far from the church, and he told me later, he said he, he went home, and that night or the next night, I don't remember which, but he said, I was sitting in bed. People were doing drugs throughout the house. I, I'm overcome by the presence and power of God. And he said, God just baptized me in the Holy Spirit right there on that bed as I was praising him. So he's getting baptized in the Holy Spirit while others are, are getting uh, high on drugs. Uh, I'll tell you, there's power in the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, I didn't know it. Some of them told me some young man some few weeks ago, I guess, came up to the doors of the church. I don't know when or the, uh, all the details, but he came up, said something like he was you know, possessed. Uh, and uh, from all indications, he was. Uh, and people gathered and prayed and bound. And, and uh, thank God, he was set free and delivered. Uh, praise God. Now, I'm not saying there are a lot of people necessarily around here, at least, that are, that are possessed. There are more people, and even some Christians, that are oppressed. Oppressed is the enemy's uh, influence from the outside. Maybe some lie we have believed that the enemy has taken hold of. Maybe it's a, a teenager whose father has rejected them and they're angry and the enemy has taken uh, use or taken advantage of that anger in their lives uh, and, and is manipulating them by oppressing them in that area. But there are some people that have come in, few over the years, that were literally possessed. Um, some years ago, there was two young men that came in and they're lifestyle was a behavioral lifestyle of, of sin and abomination to God. And we began to worship God and sing. And I didn't know what was going on with those guys, but all of a sudden they began to manifest. The pastor says, uh, everybody can leave. And I'm like, what? Why are you letting all these people that know how to pray leave? And it's going to be me and him against them. And, uh, <laughs> And the devil. And I'm like, I'm, I'm just new to this stuff. And I'm like, heavenly days. And so, anyway, I'm over there praying as hard as I can. And literally, they are wreathing in the, uh, in the floor like a snake foaming at the mouth. <laughs> and I don't think I'd ever seen anything up to that point quite like that. And then I sense 
that spirit. I sense that spirit. I don't know if he was trying to, he couldn't have come on me because I'm a child of God, but uh, it, was, it was coming at me, all right? And I began to rebuke and cast down and, in a way, and, uh, and that influence went away. But uh, we, we, we stayed there and prayed against those spirits. Listen, the, we are not to be afraid of the devil. The devil is to be afraid of us, all right? Because we have authority over all the power of the enemy, all of his power, because we're blood-bought, blood-washed, blood-cleansed, at peace through the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross. Uh, let me give you a vivid illustration of that blood uh, taken from the Passion. Short clip, so let's watch it. Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Amen. Praise God. The precious blood. He willingly gave his life to shed his blood because without the shedding of blood, there would be no life, eternal life for you and I. But because he did, we have eternal life. That's the good news. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.